Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast, where you can listen to our lead pastor, Bishop Rich Jividen, deliver an inspiring and thought-provoking message. Tune in now to experience the power of God's Word and gain valuable insights into living a godly life. This time, Pastor Rhonda, please give her a warm welcome. It's truly my honor to be here, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I remember vividly that God moment at camp meeting <laughs> when I was preaching in the Spirit of the Lord. It was like the lights went out in the room except over this couple. And I've had that happen a few times, and every single time it's as vivid on my end as it is on theirs. And the rest of the people instantly disappeared. It was like no one was there except them, and he had me speak a word. and. And I know it was a God connection at that moment that will last for eternity. And they have a place in my heart because of it. But the Lord has been dealing with me about some things to share with you ever since um, they first asked me to come. And I mean, I am telling you, the enemy did not want me here. Do you hear what I'm saying? I thought as, I thought as late as this morning... Or, ye or yesterday morning that I was going to have to call and say, I'm so sorry, I cannot come for a long list of reasons, not important to get into, but I'm telling you, God has a word for you. And I have already felt his presence. The worship was sincere and real. And, and I enjoyed being in his presence with your worship team. And then the, the youth drama. Oh my goodness. What an introduction to this message It's perfect. Praise your way out. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Praise your way out. I was like, oh my goodness. Cause I knew that the Lord had given me a couple of different topics to talk to you about as I've been praying, but I didn't know the order. I mean, you know, and I was like, God, I, I feel that you've given me some words to say, but I'm not sure I've got it in the right order. And, and he said, you'll know tonight. <laughs> he does me that way. And I, I leaned over at Kenny. I said, well, I just got my information because I know what I need to do. <laughs> Praise your way out is the title of the message. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I want you to do something. Stretch your hands this way. And pray for this grandma <laughs> and pray that the Lord will use me to say exactly what he wants said in the moment he wants it said. And, and that you will be the recipient, the hearer and the doer of the word. Okay. Pray that in agreement with God in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, somebody say in the name of Jesus, the name that we are not ashamed to proclaim privately and publicly in the name of Jesus, we come before you with thanksgiving and gratitude. And I ask, oh Lord, that in the next few moments that you take my vessel and use it to speak your word to your people tonight. For Lord, we are in this battle together and we are fighting for the kingdom of glory against the kingdom of darkness. And we're asking that the anointing will separate the next few moments and make us aware of the season we are in, knowing that the battle is real, but we are more than overcomers through you. Have your way and help us tonight to praise our way out of whatever situation we are in by the authority of Jesus himself. In your name, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Somebody say that name, Jesus. Come on, somebody say it again, Jesus. That one word prayer that opens heaven, Jesus. Come on, say it again, Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, 
the devil hates the name. It causes the devils of hell to tremble when a believer in authority speaks that name. Come on, somebody over here say Jesus. Somebody back here say Jesus. Somebody over here say Jesus. You're making the devil very uncomfortable. I don't believe he wants to be in the building or on the property. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's in your name I come tonight. And it's in his authority that we are gathered together. How many of you know, I say this often, but it has never been more true. Playtime is over. Yeah, y'all, look right here. Playtime, mm-mm, it's over with. <laughs> There's no more Christianity 101. There's no more, okay, let me decide which side I'm going to be on. Come on, the time is clicking we are living in the last of the last days. I, I hope that I never take another microphone without at least acknowledging it, whether I preach on the coming of the Lord that night or not, without acknowledging the time that we are in. It is evident. The scripture is clear. There has never in my life been a convergence of the signs of his return all at once happening simultaneously. Jesus is coming. It is not a fairy tale. Jesus is coming. And I would just as how do you pronounce the city we're in? <laughs> Zephyr Hills. We have tried. And you should hear what my GPS calls it. <laughs> Nothing like what you just said. I said, I told somebody, somebody said, where are you in Florida? And I said, Dade City. <laughs> I can pronounce that. <laughs> but I'd just as soon be raptured from Zephyr Hills, as I had Aiken, South Carolina. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm happy to be here with you tonight in the awareness of the presence of the Lord. God, y'all, I'm, I'm about to get messed up and I haven't even started my message. God is doing something. These, these universities, pastor, where God is pouring out his spirit has spread to secular universities that don't even proclaim anything about God and their roots are not in him. It's happening in high schools. I saw a, a video where there was a high school where they were like, I don't know what to do with the kids. They're meeting in the hall and, and they're worshiping and we can't get them in class in time, but it's okay because they're changing their attitude. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. God is moving and he's moved. My pastor said, I think I'm going to change. Our church is called Mercy Church. He said, I think I'm going to change the name to Mercy University <laughs> because we want this to happen here. God is moving. But the enemy is trying hard to keep us in mental duress so that we can't see what's happening. See, I know, I, listen, I speak church and ease. Come on, you do too. <laughs> Raise your hand if you speak church and ease. Ooh, girl, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, I'm too anointed to be disappointed. God is good. All the time, God is good. And on the inside, there's a war raging. Come on, we, we look the part. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship together. Come on, lift up your head and rejoice. God is good. Yes, he is. I'm in his presence. Praise the Lord. I, I could probably ask the worship team, how many times have you led other people into worship when you didn't go yourself? Because you were bound by what was going on that day. How many times have you led these kids into the presence of the Lord when you were in your own conflict? And it's time that we lay down 
the facade and go, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Playtime is over. I want to take off the heavy yoke that the enemy has put on me and walk in victory as an overcomer. So I want to share this story with you tonight. I want to talk to you about praising your way out. The stronghold of the flesh versus the stronghold of the spirit. The stronghold of the flesh versus the stronghold of the spirit. And it's amazing to me this story is found, the first part is found in 1 Samuel 22. And the second part is found in 2 Samuel 22. (laughs) Exactly one book over, same chapter. In 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 5, I want to read these scriptures to you. And it says, beginning in verse 1, David departed from there. He was running from Saul. He was not having a good day. (laughs) Has anybody noticed anything different in the world we're living? Does anybody with me hate to even say the year 20? 20? (laughs) Come on. Does anybody remember the 1900s? <laughs> remember back in the day in the night? I was raised in the 1900s. We thought it was crazy then, but something, the first part of the 2000s, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then 2020, I, I mean, we had these cliches, you know, we, we preached, oh, we had words that we would try to prophesy and say things like, in 2020, we will see clearly the plan of God. In 2020, we will have 2020 vision. Well, hello. We didn't see that coming. (laughs) We had anything but clarity in 2020. Can somebody in here tell the truth with me and say amen? And I'm just telling you, 2021 was 2020's ugly first cousin. (laughs) 2022 brought the ugly boyfriend to the, come on, you know what I'm saying? In 2023, oh dear Jesus, the whole family showed up. It has been the roaring 20s in a whole different way in the arena that we are in. And the church recognizes the spiritual warfare. And in this situation, David was in his own battle. Everywhere he turned, he had been minding his own business, tending sheep. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit pulled him out. And they anointed him and made him king. (laughs) And he's like, what just happened here? And his whole world changed. So now David's running for his life. And he departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers, and this makes me laugh, I'm sorry, but I'll tell you why in just a second. When his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there with him. <laughs> Come on, everybody showed up. The family reunion. They all said, well, David's going, we are too. And probably David was like, man, now I got to fix sandwiches. I got I, I to gotta find everybody a bed. And everyone who was in distress, look at this crowd. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented. Debt, distress, and discontentment gathered together. Who wants to pastor that church? (laughs) Come on, don't anybody look shy. Who wants to lead the youth there? Who wants to take up the offering? I mean, come on. Everybody in distress, everybody. I can imagine that their praise and worship team probably sang this. Gloom, despair, (laughs) and agony on me. 
Come on, y'all. Don't look at me so holy. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Come on, this is the crowd that was there that night. <laughs> and everyone who was in debt and distress and discontented gathered there to him. And poor David, <laughs> like he had nothing else to do, they made him the man in charge. <laughs> So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Now, I've studied this out. There were about 400 men with this group. That's not counting the wives and children. <laughs> now, I can just imagine the debt, the distress, the discontentment, and then there's the wives. <laughs> now, girls, <laughs> you know how we can be. <laughs> And it's not like that they were there cheering their men on. It was like, what are we doing here? What'd you quit that job for? <laughs> you know, and he probably said, well, how many charge cards do you have in your wallet right now, Suge? And I mean, there was this confusion and this, I'm just telling you, this is the way I see it. But there's something interesting about this. I want you to see this word, Adelam. So I went and did some studying on this cave and I found something really interesting about this cave in one of these old commentaries I had that belonged to my granddaddy who died way back in the 60s. And it said that these caves, they were vast when you went in them. They had to be if 400 men and their families were able to congregate inside. But the entrances were very narrow. Now, I'm, I don't know about y'all. I don't know. Is anybody in here claustrophobic? Oh, yes, I am too. <laughs> there are some elevators. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm serious. It, it's just, it's bad sometimes. And planes can really be difficult. If I, it, anyway, we won't go there. But anyway, the openings to these caves were narrow and tight. So much so that they were referred to as the place of the squeeze. So I want you to think of this in the spiritual application. The place of the squeeze. Debt, distress, and discontentment. And everybody went to the place of the squeeze. And then let's, let's keep reading. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, he, had, he was a friend with the king, and he said, please. <laughs> Can mom and daddy stay with you? <laughs> he said, please let my mother and my father come be here with you until I know what God is doing. I, I'm in such a mess. Can I at least make sure my parents are taken care of? <laughs> I pointed this out to my son the other day. <laughs> I'm just so he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the, the what? The stronghold of the flesh the place of the squeeze, the stronghold of the flesh. Now, I want you to see this, verse 5. This prophet Gad, he's not, you don't hear him of him very much, but his name is Gad. And Gad, interestingly, means troop. His mama named him Troop. When he was born, his mama named him Troop. So in my mind, when he was born, he probably was a 10-pounder. And she probably looked over at her husband and said, Name that baby troop. He probably looked like an NFL linebacker. He, in my mind, he was this big guy, burly guy. 
you know, with, with hairy arms and a beard. And, and he was squeezing in that place to get to David. <laughs> so when he got there, he was squeezing in. And he went in and he preached this one message. And he said this. Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise. He says, go to the land of praise. How are you going to get out of the place of the squeeze of debt, distress, and discontentment? You're going to praise your way out. You're going to shake it loose. You're going to let go of the things that got you there. Anybody here has the devil been whispering in your ear? Has the devil been sending you text messages? Don't look at the person next to you. I'm not talking about people. Has the devil been getting all up in your business? There's a guy at home that says, don't get up in my business. That's the way he says it. Don't get up in my business. Don't get up in my business. And he laughs when he says it, but he means it. Don't get up in my business, devil. And the devil has been whispering in your ear because he is afraid that you are going to recognize who you are in God. So he is wanting you to run to the stronghold. He's wanting you to continually and constantly focus on your debt, your discontentment, and your distress so that you will willingly go in the place of the squeeze and hide yourself there. But I came all the way from Aiken, South Carolina to tell you to get out of the place of the squeeze by way of praise. Shake yourself loose. <laughs> Shake yourself loose. Shake yourself loose. Nobody needs the definitions, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Distress. Great pain, anxiety, sorrow, acute physical or mental suffering, affliction or trouble. Has anybody had any of that? Come on, we're not here to shame the, to shame the devil, I mean, but, or give him glory, but how many of you can say you've had some distress? I promise you, the last 10 months of my life have been the most painful months of my existence on planet Earth. I promise you. I, I'm being transparent. I don't know how to be any other way. I have cried every day since May 1st. Every day. And today is no exception. And, and it's, it's been a battle, complicated. And the enemy has found all sorts of inroads to come against my mind, my theology. And I've had to step over into trust and stand firm, leaning not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my path. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Distress. I'm going to read it again. Great pain. Anybody had great pain? Anybody had any anxiety? Anybody had any sorrow? Anybody had any acute physical, mental suffering? Anybody had any affliction or trouble? Come on, let's just be honest. Debt. Debt is not just what you owe your credit card or your mortgage. Debt is something that is owed or one that is bound to pay to, or to perform for another for whatever reason. Responsibilities can be heavy. Debt, discontented, not content or satisfied, dissatisfied, restlessly unhappy, bitter of soul, soul, 
and full of sorrow. Anybody had? I mean, we're, we're just being honest tonight. I mean, that's the part of the problem is not being honest and not bringing it to the forefront and dealing with it. The enemy wants you just to press it down and act like it's okay so you don't deal with the problem. Anybody in here tired of treating the symptoms and not dealing with the problem? Anybody in here? Oh, come on, help me out now. That's why there's homeless people all up and down the street because they're not dealing with the problem. They're trying to treat the symptoms. They don't even know what to do with the situation. And when we come in and we do the same thing at church, we're not discipling when we don't deal with it ourselves. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm an encourager by nature, but the Lord said, no, you put the truth on the table and let my people eat of the bread. Oh God, I feel your presence. Judah means praise. He said, get out of the stronghold by way of the praise. I want to just give you some things that can lead you to the place of the squeeze wrong thoughts you can build a stronghold one thought at a time one thought at a time and you can become so mindful of your stress that the enemy starts fabricating all of these things and putting it in front of you you can have a headache and think you have a brain tumor. You can have heart palpitations and think you're having a coronary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can see two people across the room having a private conversation and you immediately think they're talking about you. All of these things start happening when the enemy finds a foothold in your thought life and we start building these strongholds one brick at a time. The stronghold of the flesh versus the stronghold of the spirit. And let me, let me tell you, this is an interesting thing. We are to muse, we're to meditate. There's scriptures that says we're to think on the things of God. We're, to, we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're supposed to pick this book up and think, what does the word say about my situation? To muse, to ponder. To muse is an old English word, and it means to think deeply upon, to meditate in silence on a subject to think, meditate silently on a subject, to just pause. But do you know what the word amuse means? It's also an old English word that means absence of musing. Amusement parks. I said just the other day, Kenny said, what you doing on your phone? I said, I'm just brain dumping. I'm entertaining myself. I have this little farm called Heyday. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else plays it or not. <laughs> but I've got a pretty nice little setup. I have chickens and pigs, and my lawn is perfectly manicured. My house is immaculate. I have servants that help me, <laughs> I mean, that pick my apples. And, you know, and it's like this world I want to just live in for a minute. <laughs> it's amusing. It's absence of musing. I mean, the real house don't look like that. And I don't have any servants to feed in the morning. <laughs> I like that Proverbs 31 woman. And I could do a whole lot if I had servant girls that I had to feed every morning. I could get a whole lot done. But ain't none of them living up in my house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just me, him, and the dog. <laughs> Amuse. In the 21st century, never have we had 
access to amusing ourselves in a virtual reality like we do right now. How many young people in here know what I'm talking about? I try to stay current so that I don't look stupid in front of my kids. <laughs> I try to stay current so that I can teach college and career and speak some of the same dialogue that they speak. And I'm thinking about TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, and Snapchat and all this stuff. And I'm like, virtual reality. And you can make yourself look so good with some of those apps that they have on there. And it's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. But it's not reality. It's amusement. Is anybody here? hearing what I'm saying and you get on there and you look and everybody else's life looks wonderful but I know some of their stories and those pictures aren't on there I know some of their heartache and they're hiding it away and I'm talking about church people who are broken and they're building their own strongholds and they're living in the place of the squeeze of discontentment because they're not dealing with their brokenness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Get out of the stronghold by way of praise. We're living in a world that's inundated with virtual realities and ways to escape are at our constant disposal. Come on, how many times you hear things like, well, I'm just going to binge on Netflix this weekend. I'm just going to see what's streaming. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to escape. I, I'm going to... And it's because reality is so hard. And if it's that way with us, what is it like for them? I wanted to bring in something else so bad. And the Lord said, no. Because we can have wonderful services. And we can have moves of God. And we can feel his presence. And if we don't deal with our own battle, it wears off. Do you want this that you're experiencing this week to last? You want it to last? You want it, you want it to last till Jesus comes or you breathe your last breath? Then we've got to be real and transparent. I'm working on a new Bible study right now, and the new one is called this, Mirror, Mirror on My Wall. And the subtitle is Taking a Serious Selfie. And it has nothing to do with my crow's feet or my mascara. I've come to terms with that. I'm a grandma. It has to do with what's going on on the inside of me and dealing with it in an honest way before God so that I won't live in the stronghold of the flesh anymore. I don't have time to dwell there. There's too much going on. I want to be a part of this last day move. I don't want to just be watching from a distance and say, oh, that's wonderful. God is moving. I want to be right under it where the glory is falling. I want to be on the field for the king, making a difference, pulling down the stronghold. The devil is a liar. If he's told you you can't, if there's oxygen in you and you're still on this side of the ground. He's not done with you yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And don't let the devil keep you tied up in the stronghold telling you that you're in bondage to your circumstances. Oh, 
feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Somebody in this room needs to hear what I'm saying to you. If we are not careful, our own escape path can lead us to a permanent dwelling in the place of the squeeze. Philippians 4, 8, and 9, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You will not get that on the nightly news. You will not get that scrolling through Facebook. You will not get that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You won't get it on the most conservative of news networks. You will not. You have got to find. There's one source right here. Right here. This, this is, let me tell you, let me just tell you, there's one source that you can find and don't say you don't have time. You don't have to read Genesis through Revelation. You find one verse that speaks to you. You find one verse and you shout it out just like you said. You find one verse and you declare it. Your ears will hear your mouth declare the truth and faith cometh by hearing. Come on, somebody. Quit saying I'm not good enough. Quit saying I'm a failure. Your mama might have told you you should have never been born. But the creator had a plan and a purpose for you. And you are no accident. Your mother might think you are, but you are here on purpose. Whatsoever things are of a good report, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put into practice. Let me just tell you, find you a mentor. Somebody that you can listen to what they say. Somebody who lives a godly life and mimic them. And if you are a mentor, you better make sure you're discipling them in truth and not your opinion or your views. Let me tell you, playtime is over. I am not kidding you. Playtime is over. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a church. It's about the move of God that's happening across the land. The banner over me, listen, I've been church of God all my life, but the banner over me is not the church of God. The banner over me is Jehovah Nisi. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The flag is planted in who I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what you need to be. And you need to be discipling according to what this book says. Somebody's watching you. Find a mentor. Romans 12, 2, you know this verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk to you a second about worry versus worship. The devil doesn't care if we congregate together as long as our focus is not on Jesus. He doesn't care if you have revival every night till Jesus comes. If your focus is on your situation... And not Jesus. Because when, some, when you begin to focus on Jesus, something begins to change. Your worry turns to worship. <laughs> and it's like a seesaw. Anybody remember seesaws that we used to have back in the day? We had toys that we played on on the playground in the 70s. We are tough kids. <laughs> we played on metal slides that had rust <laughs> going down the side. <laughs> I mean, you know, we played. You remember those little merry-go-rounds and the kid would fall off and they would be like over there 100 yards? <laughs> I mean, we had real toys back in the 70s. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But a seesaw... 
One was up, one was down. When worry's up, worship's down. And when worship's up, worry's down. <laughs> and it's your choice. When you begin to focus on what thus saith the Lord instead of what thus saith your circumstances, <laughs> oh my goodness, and you find yourself leaving the place of the squeeze. Oh, because <laughs> when our focus shifts, so does our mindset. And we'll begin to praise our way out of the place of the squeeze. David was in and out and up and down, and he fought battles. Look at Psalms. You can find one for every mood you're in. <laughs> I found one the other day I really liked. Make them dust under my feet. <laughs> Break off their teeth and make them cry themselves to sleep. Then I had to repent. <laughs> it's like, God, David was having a really bad day in the flesh. <laughs> you can find a psalm for whatever mood you're in. But David, he had some ups and downs, but he wrote some of the most amazing psalms while he was in this cave. While he was in this cave, Pastor, he wrote some of these psalms. And one of the psalms I want to focus on that will help lead you out of the place of the squeeze, you're not going to guess that this one, I don't think. Psalm 51. David's prayer of repentance. But Rhonda, I, raise your hand if you're saved. Come on, don't be ashamed. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I'm talking to predominantly saved people in this room. So why do I need to pray David's prayer of repentance? We're going to get into that. I want, to, I want to share this with you. Some of these little things that I just jotted down. I carry this picture with me every time I preach. These are my little grandsons. Because I look at this and I say, not on my watch. I keep this in. I keep pictures of my, my little grandsons because I'm like, as long as there's breath in me. I'm going to speak the truth. <laughs> Not on my watch will I be silent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I will tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. David wrote this psalm, and it is a powerful psalm. And my man was king, and he missed it royally, pun intended. He blew it. We won't get into all of it, but some of you know the story. All of you probably do. He messed up bad with Bathsheba. And it was his own doing. First of all, he was not where he was supposed to be. He should have been out on the field with his men fighting. He came home for a sabbatical. He chose to do it. She was taking a bath. He saw her, and it all unfolded from there. He sinned, and then he had to cover his sin. And the worst part was he lied to a man who trusted him and got her husband killed. We know that. We know the story. So David was miserable with himself. Has anybody been miserable with yourself? <laughs> anybody been miserable with yourself and tried to hide it? Come on, anybody? Yo, oh, praise God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm singing on the praise team. I'm teaching a small group. I'm, I'm running a revival. I'm speaking at camp meeting, and, and I feel like I'm going... Crazy, God, because I'm not dealing with an issue that you've put in the forefront that I need to take care of, God. I'm leading other people to the water, and I'm not drinking myself, but I'm doing this. I, I'm, I'm praising for other people's benefit, and I'm not really in your presence. Come on, I'm, I'm being transparent. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? 
And the Lord, the Lord sent me by here to tell you, I want you refreshed. I want you transformed. Term. And the way it is, is for you to constantly keep a mindset of Psalm 51. I want us to look at it. Remember, we're talking about praising our way out. David had enough awareness of who God was after he had sinned like he did. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version, Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. He knew how to approach God. Notice he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to the law of the land and the attitude of the people who are angry with me. <laughs> that is not what he said, and that is not what you need to say, because if you do that, you will walk out in bondage just like you went in. He says, no, I'm in the place of the squeeze. I'm in a place of distress and discontentment. And I'm going before God and I'm saying, Lord, have mercy. I, I, I'm telling you, somebody's going to be transformed tonight. Somebody's going to be, I'm telling you, somebody is going to, you've been touched already and God has moved on you. And I am not taking away from what he's already done because I knew on my way here, he had already been doing a powerful work. But God is going to do something that's going to seal this in your spirit. He says, have mercy upon me. And this is how we approach him. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Are you hearing me? That's the God we need to see. That's the God we need to see. Come on. Anybody in here a reformed legalist? <laughs> yes, me too. Anybody in here been bound by legalism? Oh, you're going to hell. You, and God's standing over you with a big stick ready to bop you in and cut the strings and drop you in. Anybody ever felt that way? But we need to see God is a loving father. He's full of tender mercies and compassions are new every day. Oh, come on, somebody. He's beckoning you to come into his presence. And David says, according to your multitude of your tender mercies, I want you to notice something. He says, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He took ownership of what he had done. Y'all listen to me. Please listen to what I'm saying. We live in a society now where we play the blame game and everything is somebody else's fault. I am a product of what has been done to me so I'm justified in my reaction. And no... Can I say this? We're not. All of us have been done wrong. All of us have been victims at one point, but the Lord wants you to be a victor and not a victim. And the way you become an overcomer is by acknowledging your, say my part. Somebody do this, say my part. So, say I'm talking to the person sitting between my two arms. Come on, I'm talking right here to me. My iniquity, my transgression, my sin. I'm taking ownership. I'm taking responsibility. You know, we've been married for 41 years and, and <laughs> the hardest person in the room for me to go, you're right. <laughs> it's sitting right here because it's a pride thing. Y'all come on. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all been married 32 years. You know, you've had that happen. 
you'll go around the world. This one right here will go around the world to keep from saying he's sorry. I'm telling you, he will buy me jewelry he can't afford. He'll do lawn work. He'll wash both cars. He'll clean up the house before he would. He'd rather do all that than to say he's sorry. I'm like, go on. <laughs> Baby, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> Get the weed eater out. <laughs> Jared's and get something. <laughs> I'm just saying, it is not easy to acknowledge the wrong way to get here in some crazy. <sighs> hey, look again, look again, look again. Transgression, iniquity, and sin. Transgression means to willfully and knowingly break a commute. Officer, was, was I speeding? Ma'am, what, what do you think you were doing? <laughs> well, I was just asking what you thought. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, come on, you know. Transgression is willfully, knowingly breaking the law, stepping across the boundaries. Iniquity is an interesting word. Iniquity is twisting the truth to fit your agenda. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel that Satan himself was perfect from the time he was created until iniquity was found in him. What was the first thing he did, Pastor, when he went into the garden? He twisted the truth. Somebody, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Hello, what is our world inundated with right now? Iniquity abounds. Iniquity abounds. You don't know who to trust. You don't know which network to believe. Everybody, back in the day, this is what the news was. The wall is gray. The TV screen is blue. The words are in white. Good night, America. They gave you facts, and you came up with your own viewpoint. Now you watch the news and it's nothing but editorials. Whoever's talking with the microphone is giving their slant on what is going on, right or left. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's so what happens, our emotions get all flared and we stay so caught up in the moment and iniquity is abounding and every wind of doctrine is blowing across our land. People are prophesying things that are not coming from God. Things are happening right and left and the church is going, wait, wait, what just happened? and we're building strongholds. Sin is simple, missing the mark. And Scripture says we've all sinned and missed the mark. All of us. But David says in verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He's saying, God, there's nothing you can say except the truth. And I acknowledge. And that's what the Lord is saying to us tonight. You want out of the stronghold? You don't want to be discontented with yourself anymore? He says, look at verse 3. But you desire truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. And the Lord spoke something to my heart when I read that. He said, truth, 
always gives birth to wisdom. Truth always gives birth to wisdom. Look at the person next to you and say, truth gives birth to wisdom. See, you, you may say, oh, my doctor is so wise. Not necessarily. Not unless he's a believer. <laughs> he might have knowledge. Knowledge is acquired. Your auto mechanic may can fix your car because he's acquired knowledge. Your architect may design you a beautiful home and can build it. That's acquired knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge. That's a good thing to have. But wisdom comes from one source, and that is truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The written word of God is the truth that will give you wisdom to get out of the stronghold of the flesh. And if you're not on a steady diet of this, don't, don't tell me you can. You've got it on your iPad. You've got it on your iPhone. You can listen to it in the car on your way to work. Some guy with a British accent will be reading the word to you as you drive to work. I mean, you can get the word in. I mean, we got, we got all kinds of ways to get it. Truth gives birth to wisdom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is the word made flesh. <laughs> And then look at verse 10. I want you to hear verse 10. Create in who? Create in who? Create in me a clean heart, O God. The word create right here is so interesting. It's the same word that is used in the creation in the beginning. God created heaven and earth. That means he's not fixing something that's messed up. He's putting a whole brand new heart. And it's a triune Godhead that does it. Elohim, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are creating a new you when you pray this prayer. And every time, y'all, we live in a fallen world. You, you can be out there 15 minutes, and, and this is not self-righteousness or holier than thou, but you can hear so much coming at you that you feel like you need a spiritual shower. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel like, God, I, I'm so sick. I told Kenny this in the car on the way here. I said, God, help us. This, this world is so different than what it was. And it's, it can be discouraging if you look around. And, and, and creating me a clean heart. And renew a right or a steadfast spirit within me. Say me. So I can look over there. And go, I know one thing. He needs Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm pointing to my husband in case he might, you know, because that way I don't offend anybody. <laughs> Jesus, God, help this man. He, Lord, he needs you, my father. Lord. And then here I am. <laughs> Not looking in the mirror, creating me. This is about us. This is about you personally tonight. Creating me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. You know what the word steadfast right here in the original means? I love this. In the original Greek, Hebrew, Strong's Concordance. <laughs> you know, anybody remember the big old heavy Strong Concordance? <laughs> I have one at home. I still like to use it. Steadfast means Firmly fixed in place, not subject to change. Firm in belief, determination or adherence. Loyal, resolute, true, faithful and staunch. Create in me 
a right, steadfast, firmly fixed in place, not subject to change, firm in belief, determination, adherence to, loyal, resolute, true, faithful, staunch attitude toward what thus saith the Lord. And I made in me a clean heart, oh God. I will not stay in the place of the squeeze. <sighs> but I want you to see this restore. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, once you start realizing who God is and you allow truth to give birth to wisdom, all of a sudden you start remembering things like, I am called of God. I am chosen. I am anointed. I am appointed for such a time as this. This is not a mistake. I am not here by accident. God ordered my steps. The devil is a liar. I have a purpose. I, God has a plan and it's greater than what I can see right now. I'm talking to you from the Lord, my brother. Other. It is greater than what you can see. There are souls to be won for the kingdom. There are young people that God is going to raise up as you disciple them that are world changers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Created me a clean heart, O oh Lord, and renew a right, steadfast spirit within me. I will not stay in the place that the enemy has tried to cause me to be discouraged. I will not stay in a place to where I can't see my way out of the mess I'm in. I will not say anymore, I'm so far down, I don't know how much further. No, I am not. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am appointed. I am anointed. I am called. I'm going to look at the truth and not the facts. The truth always trumps the facts. The truth says, oh, by his stripes you are healed. The truth says, I can do all things through Christ. The facts may say you're broke, busted, and disgusted. But the truth says he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The facts may say your son is on drugs. But the truth says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The facts may say one thing, but you start proclaiming the truth and you're going to find yourself pushing your way through the place of the squeeze and find yourself in the land of Judah. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, he's feeling it now. And uphold me by your righteous, generous spirit. Then verse 13 just hurt me when I read it. We wonder what's wrong. We wonder what's wrong with the world. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. Pastor, we have to repent and live according to this psalm in order to disciple and teach transgressors the way because we disciple according to the way we live. And if I'm covering it up and I'm abiding in the stronghold of the flesh, even though circumstances were harsh that got me there, I'm talking about real stuff got me in my own personal place of the squeeze. I, I'm not going to give you the details. It's not necessary because I'm telling you, you could tell me your story. It might be a different verse, but it's the same song. 
The enemy's trying to keep us in bondage, but the Lord is saying, no, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up and they're a motley crew of broken people who have tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good, who have tasted of his grace and his mercy and have been accepted in their brokenness in the presence of the most high God. And you are worthy of his love because he made provision for you at Calvary. Look again at Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore when now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus Christ the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 12 of Psalm 51 says, restore the joy of your salvation. Restore the joy of your salvation. We're going to teach transgressors the way. I'm not going to stay in this place of brokenness. I'm not going to stay here. I want you to notice something interesting back in 1 Samuel 22. It says in verse Samuel 22, he says, David departed I love it because it set me on another journey when I read it. It says, now, the prophet said, Gad, troop, said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. What now? I was like, wait, now what, God? And I got out. That same concordance, I started looking. And Hereth was in the forest of Judah. He went to the land of Judah, to the forest of Hereth. And Hereth means written or inscribed. <laughs> and see, I love how there's always a story beneath the story. <laughs> Go to the land of praise by the written inscribed word. And the devil can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> the devil can't see the forest for the trees. Go to the land of Judah. And how do you get there by this right here? Come on, somebody. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you have a favorite passage of scripture? How, my, one of mine is Micah 7, 7, and 8. Can you put Micah 7, 7, and 8 up there? Micah 7, 7, and 8 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I love it. And it is one of the ones that gets me out when I start feeling it. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. Who? I. We're talking about ourselves tonight. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Come on, somebody. You don't have to have an evangelist. You don't have to have a revival. All you have to do is have a relationship. My God will hear me. As for me, what am I going to do? Gloom, despair. No, I will lift up my head from whence cometh my help and I will look to the hills. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. How will I wait? I will wait with hope and expectation. Are you hearing me? One thing about my husband, <laughs> when he might be trying to say he's sorry and he don't want to say, uh, 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 he'll say, right, wait right here, I got you something. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, those are a lot more fun than I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait right here, I got you something. And he'll come in with a little box. I'm so, now, you know what I do? I wait with hope and expectation. When God says, hold up, I got you something. The longer he's gone, the more he's coming back with. <laughs> oh, the longer he's gone, the more he's coming back with. So how am I supposed to wait? I'm supposed to wait with an attitude of hope and expectancy. And oh, I can wait. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Remember when you were a kid and you were waiting for Christmas, how much fun it was as it kept getting closer? I will wait with hope and expectation. Oh, my God will hear me. Look at verse eight. I love this. See, this is my praise your way out. Oh, do not rejoice over me, oh, my enemy. Don't you party yet, devil. <laughs> when I fall, I will arise. <laughs> you know what that says in my translation? I'm either up or getting up. Come on. I will not stay down, pastor. I will not stay down. The devil tried to take you down for the count, but here you are. Hallelujah. I will not stay down. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be to me. Oh, come on, somebody. Praise your way out. Shake it loose. You don't have to read the whole thing. Find a passage that speaks to you and declare it over and over and over. But as for me, I will look to the Lord my God. I will wait with hope and expectation for my God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I get up, you better be on the lookout because I'm going to get up more anointed, more appointed, more determined determined more than ever before my voice will declare the wondrous works of my God God's calling this house I feel a prophetic stirring. God's calling this house. God's calling this house. He says, I've seen your brokenness. I've seen you inhabiting yourself in the, in the place of the squeeze. I've seen you dwelling there. I've seen you ministering to others while you yourself were in pain. But I'm going to lift that from you as you declare, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I will give you a steadfast heart and I will anoint you and appoints you and the increase is coming because of your obedience. Don't stay in the stronghold. Transgressors will learn the way in this house. Sinners will be converted in this house because the Lord is dropping some stuff in my spirit right now. Because you don't wear masks. Because you're real. And I'm not talking about literal mask. I'm talking about spiritual mask. Because you're transparent. You don't have to come in here and pretend all is well. Am I right? This is the first time I've ever stepped foot in this place. Am I right about this house? I, I believe that about this pastor and his wife. You, you don't have to pretend. You can come in just as I am without one plea. Transgressors are going to be saved under your ministry. Sinners are going to be converted because you're going to be real. You're going to be transparent. Man. Oh, 
you're going to be real. You're going to declare the truth loudly. And they're going to come out of the place of the squeeze and shake themselves free. Somebody just stop and praise him right now. Because he's doing something in this house. Deliberately and on purpose. He's doing something deliberately and on purpose for such a time as this. Because there are people that are congregating with you every time the doors are open that are living in the place of the squeeze. There are people that come in this house broken and they're looking for somebody to tell them how to get out of the mess they're in. And the best way is to have a guide who's been there, done that. Come on, don't you be so holy that they can't relate to you. Don't you be so self-righteous and pious. Don't you expect them to look a certain way or act a certain way when they come in broken. You love them into the kingdom. God. For I am sending the broken to this house. I am sending the wounded to you as little lambs who need a shepherd. And I am calling you to teach transgressors the way. I am calling you so that sinners will be converted and that my people will be rescued from the place of the squeeze. Some of them have never lived outside of the stronghold and they don't know the taste of freedom but they will find it here as you walk in obedience to me. Oh, somebody rejoice because God has appointed this house. Come on, somebody say, send in the broken. Are you brave enough? Are you brave enough to say, send in the broken? Are you brave enough to say, send in the prostitutes and the drug addicts? Send in people from all walks of life. Do you know this? Some of the people that are the most bondage are the people that have plenty. The people that live in gated communities and drive nice cars and have six-figure salaries. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because they feel like they've arrived and they're still miserable. And it makes no sense. The homeless people can blame it on their circumstances. But the people that are doing well have nothing to blame it on. That's why people in Hollywood are committing suicide. So if you see somebody that comes in and you think they've got it together, you respect and treat them just like you would the broken that comes in and the downcast. Because the Lord is wanting to reach the guttermost and the uttermost and everybody in between. Oh, I feel... I feel the spirit of the Lord stirring. John 8 and 31, just, I jotted this scripture down. It doesn't seem like it goes, but really, it says, so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word and hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. I'm reading this from the Amplified. You know what Jesus simply said in that passage? I have dedicated. We've made it so complicated. And Jesus said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Learn it and live it. And then teach others to learn it and live it. He desires truth in the inward parts that you give birth to wisdom. I feel such a stirring that's unexpected. 
in my heart because the Lord is saying tonight, I want you to think beyond the moment. I want you to think about the broken that I'm going to be sending to this house. And I want you to be willing and ready to disciple them. But before you can be willing and ready to disciple them and tell them to shake it off, you got to shake it off first. You got to pray Psalm 51 and 10 first. And then those kids that are your friends will see the difference. Something's stirring. I got to flip over here. David left the stronghold by the land of Judah, by the forest of Hereth. And I want to quickly look at the difference, the contrast, the contrast between 2 Samuel 22 and 1 Samuel 22. Look at 2 Samuel 22. Take a glimpse at the stronghold of the Spirit. How many of you know the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. See, there's a stronghold of the flesh that we build with our thoughts, but there's a stronghold of the spirit that the gates of hell cannot prevail against you and cannot come nigh your dwelling. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Oh, praise God. Look at Psalm 20, I mean, 2 Samuel 22. Oh, verse one. Then David spoke to the Lord. The words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He was delivered from the place of the squeeze by way of praise through the forest of Hereth. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Oh, hallelujah. The God of my strength in whom I will trust when it does not make sense, when it does not make sense. I will trust in him, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. Hallelujah. My savior, you saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Somebody call on him right now. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So shall I be saved from the plot of destruction. Oh, when the waves of death surrounded me. Come on, somebody. When the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Has anybody been afraid lately? Come on. Nuclear war looming. Crazy people in charge of governments worldwide. One world order quickly approaching. If you don't know Jesus, can I say this to you? Be very afraid. But if you know him, lift up your head and rejoice. For your redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. We're going to come back and rule and reign and kick devil, honey. That's what we're going to do. And there's not going to be anybody voting on us or calling and polling how you feel about it. Oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will rule and reign with the rod of righteousness and it will be good. Are you hearing me? If all we had was the millennial reign, it would be worth serving God for. 
hallelujah, the best is yet ahead for us. The best is yet ahead. If my heart stops beating, the next face I see will be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't you feel sorry for me? You rejoice because I'm on streets of gold in the presence of the one I served. And if the rapture takes place in Dade City, <laughs> I will leave here. Gravity will lose its hold and I'm out of here. It's a win-win for me. So no more. Abiding in the place of the squeeze, we're going to abide in the stronghold of the Spirit. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from the enemy. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, in my discontentment, in my debt, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. <laughs> my cry entered his ears. My cry entered his ears. My cry. My hurt. He bottles your tears. That means he's up close and personal. No matter the distraught situation you are in, shake yourself loose. Leave the place of the squeeze tonight. By Psalm 51, created me a clean heart because this church is on assignment. I can't get away from that, and that is not the point that I thought God was going to have me linger on. God is calling this house. And your worship is taking people into the presence of God because it's genuine. The ministry you have, I'm telling you, God's put you in this house for such a time as this. Expect broken people. never ever done this before ever that I can remember you can correct me if you have a memory of it I don't to where I feel like I'm supposed to give an altar call for you to pray specifically for God to break in the broken but Rhonda I thought this was about praising my way out it is but God took a turn because he's wanting you to take people who are in bondage. That really got to me a while ago when the Lord said, there are some that will be coming in who have never lived outside. Y'all, there's, there's people that were born prisoners of war that have never tasted the freedom that we feel as believers. And there are some that are coming in that are wounded. There, there are going to be some that are coming in with church hurt. And they're reluctant to come in because it was at a church that they got hurt and they're coming because somebody asked them and you need to be prepared to pour in to the broken. I don't think I've ever done this before, but will you stand? 
I'm just trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. But first, first, I feel like this is what we need to do as a group. I, need, I feel like we need to pray Psalm 51 and 10. And I don't want you to worry about the person next to you. And I know in ministry that is so hard. It is so hard for us to not think about the people that we're normally ministering to. But we'll get to that. But right now, I want you, like I said earlier, I want you to focus on the person sitting between your two arms. That's the person. Put one hand right here and raise the other hand towards heaven. And I want you to pray this prayer and mean it. Mean it as if it's the last words you will ever utter on this side. Mean it as if you are, I mean, I'm going to be dramatic here. You're standing before a firing squad and you've got 30 seconds to live. I want you to pray it with that much sincerity. I want you to pray it as if you thought a nuclear device was coming this. I want you to pray it as if you thought the rapture was going to take place before I put this mic down. I want you to pray it and mean it. Create in me come on, a clean heart. Oh God. And re- renew a steadfast right spirit within me. Come on, say it again. Repeat it. Created me a cl- God's doing something. Oh, come on, say it. God created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit. Keep saying it. Come on, say it and mean it over and over. The Lord is hearing your prayer. He's hearing your prayer. He's hearing your prayer. He's hearing your prayer. He's renewing you right now. He's giving you a steadfast spirit, unmovable. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. God, I'm sorry. I'm I'm acknowledging my transgression, my sin, my iniquity. I'm giving it all to you according to your loving kindness. Take care of it all, Lord. I leave it at your feet. And I want you to pray. Give me a hunger for the word like I've never had. Come on, ask him. Give me a hunger for the word like I've never had. Give me a hunger for the word like I've never had. That when I open the Bible, it will bring truth in my inward parts. And it will give birth to wisdom. And I will make wise choices. I will make wise decisions based on the word. Now I want you to praise him. Just go ahead and start praising him. Thank you for taking care of this. Thank you for creating in me a clean heart. Thank you, Lord, for birthing a new desire for your word in me. Thank you, Lord, that truth is going to give birth to wisdom in me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody. Go shake it off. (laughs) Shake it off. You're going out of the place of distress into the place of praise. The stronghold of the Spirit. And in the stronghold of the Spirit, no devil from hell can come nigh your dwelling. (laughs) I praise you, Lord. I praise you because I'm not going to stay in a mindset of defeat and destruction. I'm not going to stay in a mindset of depression and discouragement and bondage. I'm not going to stay in a mindset that causes the enemy to have a stronghold of imagination wrapped around me. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, I lay it at your feet.
And now... <clears throat> now, I feel so strongly. I watched a movie right before we came, which is rare for me to get to do that. It was late. I couldn't sleep. I had so much on my mind. I honestly thought I was going to have to cancel coming, and I was fighting that and frustrated with the battle that was raging. And, and I just sat there, and I turned on this Christian movie, and it was about the coming of the Lord. And throughout this movie, you develop this fondness for these characters, and of course, the rapture took place, and some were left, and some were taken. And there were two guys that were left. They were police officers, and they had been partners and one of them knew about the rapture and they were standing there overlooking the city and it was a battle zone planes had fallen you can imagine and the city skyline was burning and this one cop said I never thought this would really happen I thought it was a fairy tale I never thought it would happen I didn't believe it was real but this is what got to me the guy standing next to him looked at his partner and he said, you knew about this? You, you had heard about this? And he, he looked at him, he said, but I didn't believe it. And this guy looked at him, he looked like a guy like your age. And he, he looked at him and he said, why didn't anybody ever tell me? And the screen went black. And that's how it ended. He had already gone to sleep, and I went in his room. I said, Kenny, I'm so messed up over what I just saw in this movie. There was this guy standing there, and he, I said, we are so guilty of thinking everybody's heard, and they've just made their own mind up. But y'all, you see people in Walmart and at Pizza Hut and at work and at school, and we just think they've heard, and they just don't want to hear it. But some of them don't even have a clue. They don't speak churchanese like we do. They haven't been involved. And I had no idea, Pastor, this message was going to go in this direction. But the Lord is saying, okay, house, this is what I want you want to reach the world around you. You've laid it at my feet. I've heard your petition. Now I'm calling you to do this one thing. Can you imagine if we pray this in one mind and one accord? As I've never done this. If we pray in one mind and one accord, send in the broken, that I may lead them out of the place of the squeeze, that I can teach transgressors your way, and sinners can be converted. God, will you send them? To me, will you show me people at school, at work, at church? Will you show me people that I work with, that I worship with, that I live next door to, that I live with, that may not understand? And then give me the boldness in love to speak truth to them. That's the altar call. Will you come and ask the Lord to send in the broken? Some of them, he's, he's showing you people right now that you know. Thank you for joining us. We pray that today's message helped encourage you. Please join us again next time.
and have a blessed day.